guys. Welcome back for episode 40 of our Brooklyn Bites. The big 4-0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're happy to share it with everyone listening. I'm Leon. I'm Stephanie. And we're going to start off with uh, some sad news that we got this weekend. Unfortunately, we're going to start off on a somber note and um, I guess mention the passing of Nintendo president Satoru Iwata. At, Shocking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, at the very tender age of 55. Yep. Did not expect that at all. I mean, had no idea he was uh, going through some health issues. Yeah, I didn't know either. He seemed always kind of bright and and uh, active on his Nintendo Directs. Mm-hmm. Um, but very sorry to hear that. And it's going to be some interesting adjustment. Yeah. Because he's sort of the yeah. face of the company at this point, along with, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto and Reggie, president of, you know, Nintendo of America. America, yeah. So we'll see what effect this has on the outlook of the company. But, um... Certainly, you know, it was interesting times with him in charge. <clears throat> I'm curious to see where they go next. But um, I was fully, you know, expecting that he would have a vision for where the company would go from here. So perhaps mm. they won't stray too much. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, very sad. It's too bad. Sad for his family, of course. Too young. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess we'll talk about some of our usual things this week as well. We'll, uh, I guess, start off with some games. Some games that we might have played. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple of games that I hit up this week. Uh, my big one <laughs> was um, the game called D. Have you heard of this game, D? I have heard of it. <laughs> I think I played this many years back on... Maybe like uh, Saturn mm-hmm. or Sega CD or something. 3DO, maybe it's 3DO. Yeah, know. yeah. So this this was released in 1995, mm-hmm. originally for the 3DO, and it was later ported to the Saturn, to the PS1. There was even a PC version. Wow. So some of these came out in 96, the year after that, but came out in Japan first. Um, whoa, our shuttle is taking <laughs> off. Please pardon the environmental disturbance. <laughs> Uh, so this was developed by Warp Inc. This mm-hmm. was an interesting Japanese developer. They made some uh, uh, peculiar kind of games. I would say this one might be considered a peculiar game, perhaps. Um, this was um, uh, kind of a made by uh, game designer Kenji Eno. He uh, was sort of the, the creative uh, director of the company. And... Um, this was kind of a horror game. This is a sort of what you would call an FMV horror adventure, perhaps. Hmm. Um, but it was different because the FMV was pre-rendered computer graphics. It wasn't live-action acting like a lot of FMV games of the day. Um, this one was more sort of pre-rendered backgrounds and characters and movement. Um, you know, So basically these were, I guess, more complex characters than what the graphics of the day really allowed for. Um, I, I believe the development of this game was done on Amiga computers. Hmm. Wow. Where they kind of um, designed crazy. all the all the uh, rooms and every all the motion and all the and actually you know just all the animation in the game. Um, so it's a horror game. 
you start off with a very kind of dramatic introduction. You have um, this character, Laura Harris, who lives in San Francisco. Lara or Laura? Laura. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a. Prop- I can't tell sometimes. This yeah. is a proper Laura. Okay. Um, she gets word of her father, who's a doctor in a Los Angeles hospital, um, that he has suddenly gone on uh, some kind of shooting spree or like murderous rampage and has killed a bunch of people in the hospital and has barricaded himself in the hospital and you know the the I guess the police like ask for her help perhaps I'm not really sure because you know it, you, you see the the hospital being surrounded by police and somehow she's able to walk right in <laughs> past the police barricades and everything. Mm -hmm. So perhaps she's gotten their cooperation. It's not too clear. Um, But she wants to find out what happened. Like, what could have driven her father to commit such horrible acts? Um, But she comes in. The bodies... There's bodies scattered around the lobby. Um, She's kind of disturbed by what she sees. Um, And, you know, as soon as you step in to the lobby or the rest of it, sort of this reflective blob appears before your character. You can you obviously are playing as Laura and uh, kind of envelops her and then she's taken off into maybe some kind of dream realm. It's not too clear what happens there. Basically you appear to be teleported to a dining room, um, perhaps in a mansion of some kind. It looks like a little more medieval. You're no longer in the modern setting of like a hospital. You're now sort of in this other room um so pretty simple controls in this game you have a d-pad to move yourself around you've got just a simple um i played it on the playstation actually Mm. um so i uh you know you have the o button for confirmation or okay or whatever you have uh, an r1 button for your inventory where you can select different objects um and that's pretty much it the game happens in real time it's an interesting game because you have two hours to complete the game hmm. and there's no save points there's no opportunity to you know save your game and continue it later you basically are only given like a single setting to, to play through it um, you have a pocket watch that um, will show you what time it is so basically you have to finish the game before it hits midnight um, that's when the game ends if you don't make it if you don't make it to the end of the game uh, and that's one of the endings of the game is you're out of time <laughs> and you want to try to avoid that obviously um, you also have like a kind of a makeup compact that's in your inventory and that's used to get clues if you get stuck uh, I ended up actually not using it hmm. I should have probably tried it just to see what it would look like but um, I didn't get a chance to use that um, but as you progress, you know, it's, the game has various sort of moments of horror, but for the most part, it's a pretty straightforward kind of puzzle game. I mean, I would always, con- I would always compare it to, I don't know, like almost like a mist kind of a thing in, in the sense that right. you, you just kind of move from room to room. Um, your movement is all pre-rendered. So as you turn around, you know, Basically, you're just triggering different FMV movies to mm-hmm. sort of move yourself through the through the scenario. 
So I guess in a lot of ways, similar to Seventh Guest also. I kind of remember that, because I think I'd, I had played that game when it first came out. And that's the one thing I remember about that game, is like as you would click on different hotspots, you know, the pre-rendered uh, cinemas would play and carry you to different parts of the game. Um, but the puzzles, for the most part, are pretty simple in this game. I mean, you find objects, and... Um, you know, the places where you use those objects, you know, you use certain objects to unlock certain rooms or doors to progress further into the story. Um, you don't really have to go too far once you find an object to, to then use it. It's not like you find something at the beginning of the game and you use it well, you know, way in at the end or something like that. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, movement is very slow in this game because you're sort of playing back these movies. It's very slow and deliberate. It almost feels like I'm controlling a giant robot in this mm. game. And not just a robot, <laughs> but a giant robot. You feel just kind of kind of lumbering from scene to scene. Yeah, but they didn't back then they didn't have like physics engines and Yeah, this, none of this was cool, like robotic in, in real time at mm-hmm. all. Um I mean even there's even certain portions where you know, you go into a room and you want to go to a certain spot, but you have to kind of step towards another thing first in order to, for you to go to another location. Like, let's say if I go into a room and there's, like, a desk in the corner, but I want to go... A lot of times, sometimes I can't go straight to the desk. I have to, like, go towards the wall that's next to the desk, and then I can turn around and then move up to the desk, you know? Things like that. Um, you do get visions from your father as you progress through the game. Um, you know, he kind of appears to you, because... You know, now that you're in this other other place, it's almost like it's almost like you're in some kind of dreamland, sort of. So your father will appear to you. You'll hear his voice. He'll tell you, you know, you got to leave the hospital. You shouldn't be here. Um, but you know, at the same time, you can't stop him from what he's doing. So you really shouldn't try. Uh, it's just kind of it's a little humorous, though, the way he calls you out. He's very persistent when he calls your name sometimes. He'll often repeat your name like four or five times in a row before he like proceeds to tell you what he wants to say next. So he'll say like, "That's right." He'll go, "Laura, okay, I remember that, uh-huh. Laura, Laura." That was so weird. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like over and over again. And then he finally tells you what to do. You know. Um. Now you start huh. to get a little bit of a hint of what's going on, though. I mean, you kind of had a hint even from the beginning. Um, even in the opening FMV, you see some imagery of bats for example, you know, fluttering around. And I guess there's a little bit of a hint even in the original title of the game. I mean, the Japanese title of this game is Di no Shokutaku. And that translates... I mean, it's been often translated as Di's Diner. Sometimes you hear yeah, Di's Diner being used. Back then, uh-huh. Um, but it's not quite accurate. I guess Shokutaku means dinner table, right? So it's really... You know, where, you know, like, that's what it's really referencing. It's not like a diner as in, like, a restaurant. It's more like a dinner table where people are dining at, you know. Um, But either way, you start to get, like, little hints and pieces of of what it's all about. And, um, you know, during one of the flashbacks, and I don't think I'm really spoiling much here because it's a pretty old game and it's a pretty short game. So if you actually play this game, you're going to get the hint of what's happening here. Um, but basically, uh, your father tells you that that you're part of Dracula's family line, that he's, you know, being um, 
taken over by the spirit of Dracula. And that's actually who's, you know, who drove him to commit the acts that he's committed. And, um, you know, you're there to sort of fit in with that plan. And, um, you know, that's why he's urging you to leave. He's telling you like, go away because otherwise you're going to get wrapped up in the same thing. You have the same blood as I do. And, um, you know, bad things are going to happen if you stick around. But of course you're persistent and you're stubborn. So you don't leave, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but you continue to unlock puzzles to try to get to your father. I guess you hope to save him perhaps. Um, there's a point where, you know, you have to like open secret passages and, um, you know, there are some challenging puzzles in this game, I would say. I mean, most of them are really straightforward, but there is one point where you're in a puzzle room with a large wheel at the center of it that you can turn. And, um, basically when you turn that wheel, it, it rotates the door that's behind you. So if you turn this wheel a certain number of times, um, like, uh, sometimes there'll be a brick wall behind you, but sometimes there'll be a door. And actually those, that door may lead to different rooms depending on how many times you've turned that wheel. So, you know, at a certain point you get to like, uh, like an observatory. There's like a garden that's, that's beyond the door. And, um, you look through a telescope and you see constellations in the sky and the constellations are like different colors. And then once you identify which constellation you're looking at, there's like statues outside of the observatory and you have to match the color of the constellation that you saw to the, to the statue of that. Hmm. Once you do those things, you sort of unlock certain puzzle there, you know, that will drain a fountain and that water from that fountain will lift like a, a treasure chest in another room. But either way, all, you know, all in all though, it's like, pretty simple game. I mean, it is only two hours long. It doesn't really take that long to get through it all. I mean, if you're, if you go through it at a normal pace, you'll, you'll make it with not much problem, problem at all. Um, you eventually, uh, get to a, a final puzzle room where there's like a machine with like, uh, two large, like kind of cog wheels. And there's like a lever, there's like two levers and a button in the control panel that's attached to these wheels. And you basically have to, um, arrange the, the wheel so that like, there's like a red ball on one side, on one wheel. And there's like a cutout on the other wheel. And you have to kind of line it up. You have to move the two wheels so that they line up together. That the, the, you know, the ball will appear through the, through the hole. Um, and the levers will move the, each wheel in like different amounts. So it's really <laughs> kind of complicated. I mean, it takes a lot of trial and error to kind of figure out the pattern. But, you know, I mean, it's pretty straight, straightforward if you kind of pay attention to how you're doing it. Um, you know, once you do all that, you unlock like a staircase that leads up. You see a portrait of your mother um, or, you know, what is supposed to be a portrait of Laura's mother there. Um, and you basically then encounter your father. I mean, he's basically at the top of this tower. And, uh, he urges you to join him or not, but you know, you have to sort of make a choice there at that point. Like, what do you do? Um, you do pick up a pistol at one point, so you could either choose to shoot him or you could choose to join him. <laughs> Those are really your only choices. Shoot him. 
Right. So if you shoot him, that's considered the good ending <laughs> because you've stopped the evil force. Um, and, you know, he does thank you for stopping him if you do that. Um, he says, you know, he, he does say, though, that he would be curious. You know, the doctor in him is curious to what would have happened to him if the change had gone through. So his medical curiosity uh-huh. is sort of stirs, you know, him up a little bit. He's like, he wonders, like, oh, I wonder what that would have been like to become a vampire lord, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> perhaps. So they want you to play it again. Um, well, basically, if you... You know, if you basically throughout the game, though, there's like these little sort of like these scarabs that you find throughout the game and they give you different flashbacks. Um, So if you don't find all of those scarabs, the game will tell you, like, congratulations, you know, thanks for playing. Congratulations for beating the game. But there's still more secrets for you to discover if you play again, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, if you find all of those scarabs, you get pretty much the good ending, but you also get like an additional little a bit of information if you manage to do that about, you know, where the game might go next beyond the ending. Um, I guess the bad ending is if you join your father, if you join him, you know, he says, you know, um, you'll get to live on as, you know, Dracula will live on through you and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of funny how like if the good ending, you get the credits and you get like this rock soundtrack sort of this like rock song mm-hmm. like the, to go along with the credits and the credits show different members of the dev team working on the game that's like the good ending the bad ending is just like plain black background with like the text scrolling and it's just like sad music instead and you don't get any of that you, know, you get like kind of creepy music in its place um i also wanted to mention like another uh puzzle that you encounter in one of the rooms from that 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 wheel that i told you about mm-hmm. Where basically you run into like um, this this uh, suit of armor. It's like a knight sort of, and um, he basically will like like attempt to swing a sword at you, and you, um, you you get like on screen cues to actually move out of the way. So in that in that scene in particular, it's a bit like a dragon's lair where you sort of get like a little on screen like clues about what you're supposed to do next, but. It's very, very narrow um, sort of opportunity to, to move out of the way. So you have to like just basically move left and right and things like that. Um, but if you don't make it in time, you get knocked into a pit, and then you have to climb out of the pit and then repeat the fight, basically. So there really isn't any way to lose at this game other than running out of time. Yeah. You know, that's really the only sort of opponent you could really think of. I mean, there's puzzles, and obviously you have to beat them, but um, that's kind of all there is to it though i mean it was an interesting game at the time i think there wasn't really too many games that looked like this um no i mean i remember playing mansion of hidden souls mm -hmm. and of course mist right and i guess mist was probably more closer to what it is but mansion of hidden souls had that kind of sort of fmv look where you just sort of like nudged your character in the direction where you wanted to move Mm mm-hmm but I thought those games were kind of fun back then. I don't... For some reason, I don't seem to remember D a whole lot. But when you start bringing up certain things about it, that I remember playing through those scenes. Right. But I just... It didn't... Li- I guess it didn't leave a lasting impression. I, I seem to confuse some of the things I remember about D that were actually Resident Evil things. Mm-hmm. So I guess because Resident Evil was sort of close to the release of that. Yeah. That, um, maybe a you know, year later. Yeah. So... 
I, I don't know. I think Resident Evil's a better game, so mm. I probably... Most of my memories kind of went towards Resident right. Evil and forgot about D. <laughs> I think I have a poster of that game, uh-huh. D, somewhere. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I dug around a little bit on this game, and uh, I found a, I found a one-up interview mm-hmm. with Kenji Eno talking about the production of the game. And there was some interesting, there were some interesting little tidbits about it, um, because they were basically talking about the design of the game and like the subject matter and so on. And, um, you know, the game is a bit shocking in certain points. I mean, so like one of the flashback movies, like while I played through it, I only got one of those flashback movies. Um, and it was a scene of, um, well, really all you saw was like kind of a woman's figure in front of you and you saw like repeated like stab uh, wounds being made, mm-hmm. like from your perspective, but you were kind of like short. Um, so you later, you know, I mean, like you find out later on that like that's supposed to be you, that's supposed to be Laura, and that's supposed to be a memory of her um, stabbing her mother. Actually, hmm. uh, her father tells her this that she was responsible for her mother's death, but she was under the influence of Dracula at the time. And he used his powers to make you forget that. Like, you know, you sort of suppress that memory. Um, and one of the other movies, it's supposedly even, like, there's even some some themes of cannibalism being uh, explored in the game. Uh, yeah. Apparently, yeah. there was some of that. I didn't actually run into that during my playthrough, so. I, only, I don't remember that either. I only read about it. The mm-hmm. game was rated T. Mm-hmm. So... Whatever they showed, I guess, wasn't that bad. Because especially at the time when they were pretty, like... Uh, they were sort of overcautious on a lot of games and rating things, you know, kind of silly. Mm-hmm. You know, Mortal Kombat was you know, a mature audience game. And, you know, nowadays, I don't know if that would be considered... Like, if you were to rate the original <laughs> 16-bit, you know, Mortal Kombat, would right. it get the same rating as it would today? But, yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, Night Trap, I think, got a mature sure. rating. That was, like, one of the first. But yeah. this one didn't... Well, th- so there was a bit of a, tr- uh, a thing about this. Like, this was part of the, the part of the information that, that the producer shared about the game. That mm-hmm. basically, he... Like, I mean, he made the whole game. And, you know, basically, he while he was making the game, though, he was really working on the puzzle aspects of the game. The story elements came sort of at the end of it. He, like, kind of overlaid that. Um, sort of when the game was almost done. And it's sort of evident in the gameplay, too, because for the most part, you don't really run into anything too horrifying while you're playing the game. I mean, there's, there's things in the background that you might run into. You might open a closet door and there's, like, skeletons in there or something like that. But but basically, what, the way he describes it is that, um, you know, he wanted to put these horror elements in the game, but he knew that it probably wouldn't get approved by a lot of the, the console manufacturers that he was submitting the game to. So what he did is he purposely didn't show any of that stuff to the people that were going to approve of the game to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of delayed like the final master of the game being made <clears throat> such that he would have to personally deliver the master <laughs> to the reproduction house. So basically, he swapped the master. He like hand delivered the master himself. Huh. He flew to the U.S. to have the game made and stuff. And he kind of delivered his own version of the game, like kind of pulled a fast one and kind of slipped in the game with like all this horror stuff in its place. Wow. Um, yeah, and he like you know basically uh, when he went to 3DO because 3DO at the time was a U.S. based company. It was based in San Francisco. Um, so that's when he first got it made. 
And um, <laughs> so he says, he says there were three phases to the to development. It was, he says at first it was just an adventure game. Then he decided to, um, you know, turn it into like this horror themed Dracula type of game. Um, but he says, but this won't sell. This is very boring. So I put in the third phase, which was violence, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, which I thought was kind of a funny line. Um, and then also like somehow Sony were, like under manufactured the game. They had gotten something like a hundred thousand pre-orders for the game, but for some reason they prioritized other titles in the manufacturing process. Um, so in the end, only about 28,000 units were made mm. of the PlayStation version when they had actually gotten 100,000 pre-orders for the game. Um, so they were a bit, uh, you know, he was, he was personally offended by that. He, he took a, he took great offense at that. And, and, um, basically his future games, he didn't want to make them for Sony. So he came out with other games afterwards. He came out with enemy zero, which was like a Saturn exclusive. Yeah. And he came out with, uh, there was a, there was a sequel called D2, which yeah, that was supposed to debate, debut on the M2. That's right. 3D, the sequel to the 3DO. That's right. There was supposed to be the, the, the follow up to Man, the 3DO console. Man, that was console. hyped up for years. Uh-huh. So when the M2 got canceled as a console mm-hmm. and it didn't get made, um, the game that they originally had in mind as D2, which was supposed to continue the story of this game, it was supposed to be something about, um, you know, maybe Dracula's son or something like that. I'm not, not really too clear where that was supposed to go. That game ended up not getting made. And they came out with a different game for, on the Dreamcast called D2, which also starred Laura, the character of Laura. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and actually, Laura was in Enemy Zero as well. Even though it wasn't the same actual character, it was the same character model. It was the same. They were trying to push this concept of the virtual actress. Right, so where the character looked like the same character, mm-hmm. but they were treating it as if it was an actress playing a new role. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if this applies in video game sort terms, of like American Horror Story kind of thing. You could think of it in that way. I think so. Huh. Um, it's kind of weird though, because you know, I mean, on a production level, what are we talking about here? That they're just using the same character models from more than yeah, one game? Yeah, it's like a good way to save money. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in a way, you could look at it that way. But it's interesting that they tried to push that as a concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, isn't that like having Mario appear in, like, a soccer game and... I guess so. Appearing in, like, a puzzle game. But he's still Mario. I mean, he's still, like... Right, that's true. He's not playing somebody else. Yeah. Although, yeah, it is a bit of a stretch, though, in some situations. Yeah, you could argue, like, he appeared in, like, Donkey Kong or Mm -hmm. something, or... I don't know. Yeah. So... All right. I thought this was just an interesting... Uh, thing. Uh, this is always one of those games do, that I meant to play. Do you recommend it? Um, Where you hmm. feel like it's a little dated. Well, I mean, I think it's just an interesting footnote at this point. I think, um, I think if you could, if you allow yourself to be immersed in this game, I think it could be interesting. If you're really, you know, if you take the tension of the time limit into account, and you sort of look past some of the the basic pre-rendered stuff. Um, you know, I mean, some of those models look pretty, pretty rough by now, but, mm-hmm. but for the time, it was probably kind of, uh, cutting edge a bit. I guess, you know, I guess if you take into account when it was made, it could be interesting, but overall I would say it's, um, there's really not too many other games like this. So if you want something unique, I'd say give it a try, but otherwise, eh, it's probably not totally worth it. I mean, it is a short game. 
like I said, if you know what you're doing, um, definitely less than two hours. So eh, it might be worth a try. I also played some other stuff. Wow. Believe okay. it or not. Although these were quick. Uh, I did finish up Jet Set Radio. I talked about Jet Set Radio oh, last good. time. All right. You went back. I went back and finished it. I had just a couple of things left. It really wasn't much of a big deal. I mean, I was stuck on one big mission in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took a different route to finish it off. Um, if you remember what I said about the way to play the game a lot of times was to try to finish the complicated pieces first. And then go back and try to do the simpler stuff because, because mm-hmm. basically, enemy response increases as you progress through the level. So um, on the last one though, it was it was tricky because because it was spread across multiple levels. It was like the levels were very large. It was like uh, three different town parts of town that you had to travel between to finish it. Um, and initially, I was doing it in a very linear fashion. I would try to finish the level that I started in before moving on to the next area. Um, but I did the opposite this time. I, I went back and went to the hardest parts of that level, finished those first, and then traveled backwards again to the beginning to finish it off. And that, that ended up working much better. Um, there was would, you, a, would you play the sequel to that? To this game? Like, now that you've played through this one, you well, feel like, okay, I'm ready to tackle the next I, one. I definitely want to play the sequel on, on Xbox. Hmm. I just have to get the Xbox set up to do that. But yeah, it's definitely on my on my list of things to get to. Does it play? I wonder if it plays on the 360. Uh, I didn't look it up. Hmm. I'm not really sure if it is backwards compatible. Okay. Yeah, it'd be good to check. If it's on the store, I guess it would be it would be a downloadable as an Xbox hmm. Classic. I guess maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another one of those missions where you have to tag the rival gang. This one was much easier than the ones before that. Uh, I thought that was not so bad. I actually finished it on the first try. Hmm. Uh, and then I got to the final mission. We have to beat the big bad boss. Um, this one was interesting. It was on a giant turntable. It was like on a giant record <laughs> in the sky. And so it's like a big conveyor belt, like spinning in a circle? It, so it's like spinning on a... It's like a big platter uh-huh. that you have to run around on. Um, and there's like four towers that, that, you're, that surround that turntable that you have to jump onto. Um they have different obstacles to get onto them. One of them is like just big giant, like uh clockwork style wheels or something that you have to work your way across, but it wasn't too hard. I mean, you just have to get to the other side and, and do a quick tag and then run back to the middle. Um, once you br- drop your tag, like a giant creature will try to breathe fire on you. Um, but you know, if you move quick enough, you can avoid it. It's hmm. not so bad. The actual hardest thing about this level was when you finally beat it, you have to, you have to beat the final boss in the DJ booth in the center. You have to like jump into the booth and tag him also. And I found it very difficult because the turntable will spin faster as you progress. So it's harder to sort of stay in the middle and get to where you want to go. Um, the booth kind of collapses at the end. And you basically have to ride a rail up the side and into the booth. And it was a little hard to do that. It was hard to build up enough momentum to go up the rail. But... Managed to do it. Um, so, you know, there was, other, there was other stuff left over once I beat him, but um, I'm probably not going to go back and do those extra missions. It's just, the game was just too... Uh, it just rubbed me the wrong way enough hmm. that I didn't want to really go in and get all the extras. But I do want to try the sequel. So hopefully that's an improvement. 
Uh, let's see. I also finished up my game of Borderlands, which had been on hold for wow. like six months. <laughs> six months? I think we were still talking about that when we did the video series. E- maybe. I don't know. This was this is pro- probably the last time I played it, though. I was... I was um I had one little piece of uh DLC left that I was working on. And um that was the Secret Armory of General Knox. Of course I'm talking about the first Borderlands game. Mm-hmm. Um I had left that open because I was kind of farming that mission for better weapons. <laughs> so that's kinda of why I didn't finish it. Uh but I finally went back and, and, and knocked it out. Um knocked that mission out, got the credits roll right at that point. Um, but the game wasn't quite done at that point. I mean, there were still like little side missions and a couple of extra things that you could do if you wanted to play a little more. Um, I turned in whatever extra missions I had. Um, I got, you know, a couple of missions to, you know, it's just one of these missions where it's like, you know, kill 50 of this type of enemy and a hundred of this type of enemy and that kind of thing. You know, it's like another little quick side mission kind of a thing. I mean, I got that, and then I did some other ones, and I was able to contribute to that mission through playing the other ones, mm. because, you know, it was just like an open thing where you can, as long as you're killing certain types of enemies, you're, you're, you're you know, it reduces your total. Um, but I ended up getting one of those arena-type missions, where you go in, and this one was called um, the Circle of Duty. I don't know if this was some kind of Call of Duty kind of reference. Mm. Um but, you know, you're just in an arena where, like, endless waves of enemies come out after you. Uh, but it was fun because I was really... I was pretty high level. And these enemies were kind of well below me at this point. Um, and I had pretty good weapons already. So I was blowing through it without much trouble. Um, uh, you also get a final, final mission. And this mission is labeled, You Will Die, with periods in between each word. <laughs> And this is uh, is this a story mission or is this a side quest? This is kind of the this is kind of the bonus end boss if oh, okay. you choose if you choose to do it. I mean it's it's completely mm-hmm. optional. Mm-hmm. This is well past the credits of the game, you know. Oh, weird. Okay. So this is like an extra thing. This is probably a multiplayer thing, and I think this is really probably for the second playthrough of the game. So uh, if mm. if you know. If you're familiar with Borderlands, you know they give you an option huh. to do a playthrough yes. of the game again. Yeah, you can do it. And you do it at your current level that you finished the first playthrough of. Um, so let's say okay. I'm, so I'm currently at level 47. I'm a level 47 hunter. Um, the max level for the game is 69, with enemies going up to level 72. So at 47, I'm probably not going to take on the super mm, end boss. No. Um... <clears throat> Uh, this was this was actually Cromorax the Invincible, is uh, the final end yeah. boss that you can try to beat on your own, which is pretty hopeless. The game even tells you it's impossible difficulty. Oh yeah, you're too far behind <clears throat> level. Yeah. Right, right. So either you have to go in with a team, or I have to basically do it at the end of my my second playthrough if I were to do that. But I don't I don't think I intend to do that. I have more Borderlands so games to get to. Pretty much, this is it. You're done. I think I'm done with this game. What's your final tally of hours played? Oh, you know, I'd have to go in and check. But, mm. but you I broke a hundred easily. Uh, oh yeah, no, I had more than like 400 hours in this game, probably. <laughs> 400 hours. No kidding. Well, like I said, it's, I know you hit it on pause. A lot. I, I paused it a lot, but yeah. but I can tell you what it is. I mean, 
I only went back for maybe, I mean, this time around, I think I only played it for maybe three hours to finish it off. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't that much left at all. Hmm. Most of it was travel time, too, because you know how this game is. Yeah. You save your game and, you know, you're... It puts you, yeah, no. You're nowhere near your mm-hmm. save point. Nope. So, so that's what I did this week. This was my playtime. Yeah, quite a lot of stuff. Wow. You need a vacation. Mm, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me about well, your games. Yeah, I don't. I don't have as much as probably not as exciting as you did. But mm-hmm. uh, there was an interesting game that came out on iOS this uh, maybe about a month ago. Okay. Uh, there was a game called Vector Tanks a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember this, this is game. Kind of like uh, think of how Jeff Minter made Tempest uh, Two. Was it T Three K? Tempest Two Thousand. For Jaguar? Yeah, 3,000. Oh, he did 3,000? Yeah. Well, no, not 3,000. The one that's on PSP. Oh, uh, TXK. TXK, right. So think of that, but with Battlezone. Like, that same principle. Uh-huh. Okay. So these guys made this Battlezone game, <clears throat> and it worked on um, I know, iPad or iPhone. And it was pretty cool. It was, you know, vector-looking, retro, but it had a lot of, like, the... A little bit of the psychedelic stuff. You know, nothing too crazy, but... Enough to make it different from the original. And uh, it was a good game. They actually released a sequel. It was called Vector Tanks Extreme. Mm-hmm. And it was basically the same game, a little bit harder. You know, they upped the. And I think they added a little bit more visual effects, but it was more or less the same. Uh, Atari did not like that, so they gave them a cease and desist letter. Right. And they pulled that game off the store. So it's been about three years, probably, since it's been available, and uh, it just popped up, like, recently. It's called, uh, renamed it now, it's called Panzerkampf mm. 3. Okay. So uh, I think Panzerkampf or something uh, means, uh, or stood for, like, that game in another market or something. I don't, I don't know the history of it, but mm-hmm. um, that's what they call Part 3. And uh, it's basically the same game. They retooled uh, the controls a bit, which is one of my complaints about the game now. The original one had all on-screen controls, which, you know, admittingly is not easy because, you know, you know how hard Battlezone is. I'm sure you've played that before. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard game to control even with a controller. So on-screen, you know, to move left and right with your treads and, you know, do all that stuff. So now you're doing part motion motion control, and the other part is shooting on the screen, and also, I think you move left and right and shoot on the screen, and the motion does everything else. So, I'm not into that motion controller too much, but, you know, that's whatever. Hmm. Um, but otherwise, it's the same game. It's good. It's still good. Okay. You know, it runs a lot faster now, because mm. the tablets have caught up in speed. Uh, I just looked it up. Yeah. I think you can translate the word Panzerkampf as armor battle. Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> right. So, I think that's one interpretation of the title, perhaps. German? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, I don't know how much that was. If it was free or like a dollar or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it. If you like Battlezone, definitely check it out. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. I've seen the game in action. Mm-hmm. I actually like it better than Battlezone, but it's more fast-paced and arcade sort of thing. Whereas Battlezone, to me, even though it's arcade, it's like a little bit slow-paced. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... You shoot your bullet, and if you miss, you gotta wait a long time, and then you know it's it's, it's a bit of it's a bit more of on the simulation side. Yeah, yeah. that's what they're going for with that, mm-hmm. right? I also played uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zero. 
Ground Zeroes. Ground Zeroes. That's right. <laughs> you know, I had to look that up because I originally thought it was Ground Zero. Yeah. And I saw, I, I was, I think I looked on um, an FAQ or something and it said Ground Zeroes. And I'm like, why are they calling it that for? And I looked up on Amazon. It's like, that's the name of the game on the sure. box. Like, yep. why, why is it called Ground Zeroes? I don't know. I don't know anything about the story. So, uh, so I don't know a whole lot either. I am not a huge Metal Gear fan. Mm-hmm. I did play the original, and I think the last Metal Gear game was probably Metal Gear Solid One. Mm-hmm. That was the last one I've played. So I've missed a lot of games <laughs> Me since too. then. And I know this character has been around a long time. You know, you play Solid Snake, right? Um, it seems like it's a continuation of all the other games, mm-hmm. even though you may not have to really know the backstory too much, but he's definitely been through a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, in this one, uh, you start out, it's a short game. You have basically, I would say you have two missions, two objectives. The first one, you have to rescue this guy named Chico. Mm-hmm. You have to infiltrate this prison site. And, um... So I don't remember a whole lot. Like, I mean, I played through the, the Metal Gear Solid game, but I don't remember it that well. Like, I thought I did, but this game is very stealthy. Like, mm-hmm. this game is all about stealth. Right. And I didn't remember that that's how Metal Gear games were, Metal Gear Solid games were. And uh, right off the bat, I was really messed up. I didn't know what I was doing because I was going into this as an action game. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting obliterated, like, immediately. Yeah, stealth is a major component. As soon as you, like... Them. As soon as you're in the field of vision of one of these guys, it's like the exclamation point goes up and then the alarms in the prison camp goes off mm-hmm. and you're dead in like seconds. So um, I, I had to like check out the controller and see what I'm doing. And the controller is uh, every button does something. So it's a very comp- complicated control setup. Mm-hmm. Even like R3. And it's one of those that uses like the push button on the analog sticks. Um, one of the th- complaints I had about it too was no pause in the game. So a lot of times I was like, you get to a point where where you hear, you know, you're constantly communicating with someone on your radio mm-hmm. and he's telling you things to do. It's like, all right, you see that guard up there? Uh, you know, why don't you go up and interrogate him? You know, and I'm, I'm like, well, how do I do that? I don't know what interrogate <laughs> is. So now it's like, well, I, I'm, there's probably a button that does that. And you, you can't pause. Like, there's no pause. Like, if you pause it, it's all real time. So mm-hmm. someone could like see you or attack you or something. And it gets really annoying doing stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I played around with it a little bit. Um, most of the time I played was more like an action game. Because I just cannot... I couldn't nail the stealth thing down. Like, no matter what I did, it hmm. just was not... I, the guys kept seeing me and set off an alarm. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? What am I supposed to do here? I, I mean, I think in some of the previous games, though, you think... Did they have vision cones? Could you tell where they were no, looking? No, they, they didn't have vision cones. Not, not even The old them. games did, mm-hmm. yeah. So this game is... If you're in the line of sight, there's there's two warning systems. There's one where you'll see like a sort of like um, a white semi semicircle, mm-hmm. kind of like on your HUD screen, right. and um, that means that like someone is sort of in your field of vision but didn't see you yet. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is when you get t- too close. Now, now the exclamation point pops up. And he sort of spots you, and you still have a chance to back up if you're quick enough. And then, um, you know, if he does spot you, you'll hear him on the radio say, "Oh, I, you know, I think I spotted someone. I'm going to go check it out." And now you have to try to run. So a lot of the game I played was um, I tried. You have um, a stealth weapon, which is like um, a tranquilizer gun. Mm-hmm. So I was tranquilizing guys, 
and then dragging him into locations where no one would see him. Mm-hmm. And then um, at some points where there was just too many enemies, I was just gunning him down and then running to somewhere where um, I can hide for a while. So a lot of this game is like you're hiding and you're standing still for a little long time waiting for enemies to pass. Right. You know, for people to not see you, for alarms to go off and, and things to calm down. Because even if you set off an alarm, it's not like GTA where like I, cops are always following you and you can't escape and stuff. This is more like after like five minutes, you know, the guy, you hear the guys on the radio say, okay, you know, I, don't, I think the guy got away. We're not going to look anymore, you know, mm-hmm. back to our normal post. And then you can start playing the game again, you mm-hmm. know. Okay. So eventually I made myself in the prison camp. Um, they don't really tell you a whole lot what to do in this game. So every prison cell, there's like eight prison cells and there's like a guy in each one. And so I kept going at each one. Each one's like, nope, this isn't him. This isn't him. And I'm like, well, do I free these guys? Do I leave him? I don't know. So then finally I opened one up and it's like, oh, this is the guy we want. You know, I was like, all right. So it was the last one, of course. <laughs> and, um, and then it cuts into a cutscene, and the guy, you know, starts talking to you. He gives you cassette tapes to listen to. And uh, it's actually done in real time, too. You have, he gives you a cassette and you have a, a cassette player, like a Walkman that you wear. Mm-hmm. And you go into your menu screen and you pop the cassette and you listen to it. And you can like forward and rewind it and stuff. And it's supposed to have clues to what your next mission is. But before you do that, you have to rescue this dude, this Chico guy. So you have to lift him up. You have to carry him on your shoulder and make your way to a safe helicopter landing site. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is you have to do that while being stealthy. And another guard seeing you do this. <laughs> oh, well, of course. So, uh, I, I was able to just, uh, I couldn't do it, first of all. So, I had to just grab him and run and have the guys, like, shoot at me while I'm running. And <laughs> hope you don't get hit? Yeah. So, I was able to do that. Because once you get to the safe landing site, they, the guys kind of back up. They, well, don't, they don't really follow you there. I mean, is it possible to clear a path to your to the guy? I mean, if, you... if you can, like, tranquilize the guards and drag him out of the way. Maybe that would be easier to I just escape once. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't do it. It was very frustrating. Hmm. All it's right. very, it's a very slow paced thing. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, stealth games are not my thing. I, I kind of like them personally, but it depends, I guess. I haven't played this one, so I don't know how it is. I, yeah. I mean, that's, I'm sure people love it. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I, I like to just go in and start shooting people. So, <laughs> so I, I was able to do that. And then once you clear it, you call for a helicopter. It comes down. You have to make sure there's no enemies in the area. Otherwise you're going to shoot your helicopter down. Mm. So you got to wait for the coast to cl- be clear, and the guards are all back at their posts. Um, Chico gets rescued, and um, now you have to analyze his cassette to find out where the next person you have to rescue is, who is um, Paz, is her name. Mm-hmm. And uh, I missed, the. Cl- I didn't understand the clues, where it is, the base. I could not find it, because there's a map, but the map doesn't tell you anything. So I had to look on a guide, actually, because I just I was wasting so much time. It's like, well, you know, this map is huge. How do I know where this person is? Mm-hmm. The, um, I looked on a guide, and it says, like, check this area, you know, west of whatever. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll go there. And I just got lucky, because as soon as I got near it, a voice came on that says, like, oh, I think she's in there or something, and that's how I knew where I was going. Um, and I snuck into this place, and the game kind of glitched on me here, because... Uh, I went down this, it's like this tunnel, and you have to, like, you know, get rid of a bunch of guards and stuff. Technically, you're supposed to, like, I guess, do this all stealth, stealth, as a stealth game. Mm-hmm. But I went in just killing people. 
But because I was killing people, the alarms were going off. And what it, the game didn't tell me was, if the alarms are going off, you can't rescue Paz. Like, the door remains stuck. Huh. So this whole time, I'm like, why can't I open this door? Like, this door, like, I see the lock there, you know, to unlock it. And it wasn't letting me do it. So I'm like, I spent a lot of time, like, trying to figure out, like, what the heck am I supposed to do here? And then finally, um, I don't know what I did. I think I just, like, reset the game or something. And when I went back in... Or I saved the game, I quit, and I went back in. And the game reset, and now the alarms weren't going off. But I was closer to where I had to rescue Paz. And um, I was able to open the door because the alarms weren't going off. So I was like, oh, well, that's why. I, mm-hmm. I was able to do it now. And then a cutscene happens as soon as you, you open the door. Um, so now the next step is you have to get to the landing site and rescue her now. You have to bring her back to the chopper. This time is a little bit more tricky because when you exit the hangar where she was being held you have like tanks with spotlights all over the place they've <laughs> up the ante yeah there's like guards everywhere mm-hmm. and this part was tricky this part was really tricky um as soon as i would walk out i would just get gunned down immediately mm. um so i got kind of lucky with this scene because after i tried to do it like stealthy and sneak around and stuff like that i couldn't do it so i just i got my gun i started shooting people and then um, I grabbed Paz on my shoulder and just ran, ran the whole way, and kind of just like moving left and right as I ran, like a football player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I made it to the chopper, and sometimes erratic movement like that helps. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and I and you clear the game after that. That's pretty much over. It's just mm-hmm. those two missions. Right. Um, there's a huge long cutscene, very like a half hour of, like storyline. Um, it gets kind of weird. I don't want to spoil it because that's kind of like the best part of the game. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of weird, and it's definitely... The whole game is pretty much a lead-up to the next game. Right. Yeah, this is kind of put out as like a... It feels like a big trailer. Like a prologue to the full game coming. Yep. uh, Sometime this fall, I think. Uh, Phantom Pain. Right. Yeah, it felt like a big demo Mm -hmm. for that. Yeah, it's supposed to be out in September, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It took me about three hours to beat it. Uh, after you beat it, there are um, missions that open up, like side missions. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do them, but in case you want to get like more for your money, right? It's it's just like you go back. It's the same. It's all in the same map. It's a pretty small map, but um, it's a map. And I'll say like, go to this location. You know, do get this done, whatever. And then you have to get there. It's still done in a stealthy kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can start operating like some of the machinery and stuff, but. Um, not a whole lot of variety, I would say. Mm. There was one part in the beginning where I didn't know what to do, so I climbed up this watchtower because because there's guys in watchtowers with spotlights and they move the spotlights around looking for you know people trying to escape. So um, so that you can see on, as like a cone kind of thing on the map, like where the spotlights go. Right. So I climbed up the the tower to take out that guy with the spotlight, which was you know easy to do. And then I'm like, well, now what do I do? Because I'm on this tower. So I just started gunning, like, guys, like, sniping them from the top. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it sets the alarms off because <laughs> you're shooting guns. Sure. And the game just kind of, like, freaks out. It kind of glitches because I guess it didn't expect me to stay up there the whole time. Really? And, and guys are, like, running around and stuff. And it was kind of stupid because you there's, like, an unlimited supply of soldiers. Like, I figured, well, I'll just wipe out everyone on the map, and that's it. I could just, like, make you my... You think? Yeah, and that's it. I'll just walk around, and, you know, everyone will be dead. But no, like, the guys regenerate. Oh. Even if you kill, like, you know, 30 of them. Oh, so my, be... so my plan wouldn't have worked. No, no. 
So yeah. I, I wasted a lot of time just standing there, like, just continually shooting guys. And there were times where, like, guys would start walking up the tower, and as soon as their head pops up, I'm like, just, like, shoot them <laughs> down, and they fall down. Uh-huh. And I did that for a long time, and... <clears throat> um, it, I mean, it is pretty cool. It's a cool game. I like the amount of detail that's in there. Like, if, if you shoot a, sh- a soldier, and, a sol- and like, um, the alarms aren't going off, you know, it's quiet... But a soldier is on patrol, and he walks by and sees a body on the floor. You see him stop, and you hear him on the radio saying, "Oh, you know, I have a body down here. Like, what's going on?" Yeah. And he's like, "I'm going to start patrolling the area and see." I like that amount of detail that they have. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Or um, yeah, if, these games do take a long time to come out. Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in an area where like you fired your gun and it set off the alarms and stuff, after the alarms go off, like the guards will be like. I'm going to check that area where that gun went off, you know, where that sound was, and I'm going to see if there's any activity. So, it's kind of cool, but it's definitely not a game that was for me, <laughs> that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. The cutscene was cool, but I could have just watched that on YouTube. Right. But, um, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I thought I enjoyed Metal Gear Solid a lot, but I can tell right now I'm not going to enjoy... So, you're not, you're not, you're not pre-ordering Phantom, Phantom Pain? Phantom Pain, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> definitely not. Interesting. This game was, uh, what, it was part of the uh, PS Plus for this month? One of the free- It was. Freebies? It was a freebie for July. Mm-hmm. Um, July or June? June. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know this was a $30 game when it came out at retail. Okay. I could, so I could see that. That seems fair. Mm-hmm. 30 yeah. 20 even would have been a good price for it. It seems like a downloadable. Right. Yeah. I, I, I picked it up. Like I said, I mean, if you're really good at this, you could probably do the mission in like 20 minutes or something, 30 mm-hmm. minutes. It's that easy. But you got to know yourself, like how to do it. Right. I see. So you have to build up to that. You have to. Yeah. Well, the thing is, there's really no on-screen map. So you have to constantly put yourself in a safe position where you can pause it to look at your smartphone to see the, yourself on the map and where you have to go. Mm. I don't know. So I think... I picked this up during the Black Friday sales last year. A physical copy? I think so. I have a disc copy. I think mm-hmm. I only paid $10 for it. So, I don't know if that's a good deal or good. not. Because it sounds like, you know, once you sort of knock it out, especially since it is sort of a lead-up for the next game, uh-huh. there's not really much uh, well, reason to go back missions. to it. There's a bunch of, yeah. of those, which, okay. if you enjoy that style of game, mm-hmm. I think you'd enjoy those side missions. They take place during the day, some of them. Uh-huh. So you get to see, like, you know, what it looks like. Because most of the um, the story game part is all at night. And, uh, you know, there's, like, you can drive some of the vehicles and use the guns. It's a little different. I don't know. All right. All right, cool. But it's not, like, totally, total waste. Yeah, I thought, I I, I was thinking of it more of, like, well, it's like it's sort of like a demo. Like, once the full game is out, you probably wouldn't want to go back to this one. Um, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going to be different. Maybe these missions aren't part I mean, of it. And what you do, I mean, if you did the story missions and the side quests, it's probably like five, ten hours at most, mm-hmm. which is still pretty good for your money. I okay. mean, if That's you're like a fan a full of game, that. sort of. Yeah. All right, good deal. Yeah. So. All right. That's it. That was my game playing. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> you got a taste. I did, yeah. Mm. Not bad. All right, well, I guess we could talk about some other happenings this week. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, all right, so for starters, we've, um, we're have we aware of this game, Mighty Number no. 9, 
that was started yeah. off as a Kickstarter and uh, many years ago. <laughs> well, it's been it's still in development and it's it's due for release fairly soon. Um, it's about two and a half years now. Is it really that yeah. long? Yeah. Wow! All right, so a lot goes into this. Pretty sure. <clears throat> uh, but now we're hearing that there's um, they've already announced sort of a, a live action feature length project for digital platforms, whatever that means, related to Mighty Number no. 9. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently there's been uh, a deal made uh, with, uh, I guess, Legendary Pictures. And this is a company that previously made um, a, a sort of a film based on Dead Rising called Dead Rising Watchtower mm-hmm. for Crackle, the Crackle streaming service. Um, so apparently they've got something similar in mind for Mighty Number no. Nine. There's going to be some kind of live-action film that's going to be related to the game. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out, considering what the game looks like—very cartoony-looking sort of game, sort of um, you know, yeah, features a robot kind of character <laughs> at the center of it. So mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't really know what a game uh, or what a live-action movie, movie about something that's not even in people's hands yet. Uh, well, that's I mean, part of... There's been betas that's been going around, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, people know what the game looks like by now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little surprising to hear that, that this kind of a project is in the works before the game is even out, but I suppose this is how things are done these days. It's sort of a multimedia project. There's games, there's movies, well, there's books, there's... I guess there's, like, stuff always in production, but mm-hmm. whether or not it gets made or not... Right. Like, I don't know, this movie, I can't see this movie actually going to actual production and right well they haven't they haven't mentioned when it's coming out or where i heard the rock's gonna star in it he's gonna play number nine (laughs) you think he's you think he's available for all these projects yeah he's gonna be doing all the he did doom you Mm -hmm. know rampage and now right mighty number nine i think that's uh i think you are you are you the rock's agent are you trying to get him these (laughs) roles i think you're trying to place him in these before before anyone else gets to him, I don't know. Well, I thought that was that was kind of interesting, though. I, I didn't I didn't anticipate seeing that so soon. How about they release the game? Let's worry about that first. I think it's, two and a half years later. I think it's time. The game is in the pipeline. It's coming. But in addition to that game, we've got word of another game that the studio Concept is coming up with. Um, not same. concept, com concept, exactly. Clever, very clever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Another Kickstarter has launched, similar to what was done with Mighty Number no. Nine. And this time, it's a game called Red Ash, and it's uh, where you know you could say Mighty Number no. Nine was perhaps inspired by Mega Man or Mega Man X. Um, in this case, Red Ash is being inspired by the Mega Man Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, series of games, so a little, little something similar to that kind a of a three D action yeah, adventure game it's got with a lot of the staff from light RPG, perhaps something similar to that. Um, so again, I'd say it's interesting that the next project is being fired up while while uh, the current one is still under yeah. production. Yeah, this new one though doesn't. To me, it doesn't look much like Mega Man Legends. I don't know. Yeah, not in... And all I've seen was, like, some sketches. I mm-hmm. didn't even see any gameplay or... Right. Well, I think this is all they have so videos far. or anything. Yeah, so I don't know. It doesn't... It seems like a stretch to even... 
compared to Mega Man Legends? Well, I mean, it is the same executive producer. Keiji Inafune mm-hmm. is involved in this, and uh, I don't think he's made any secret about where the inspiration for this game is coming from. Um, so, I don't know. But, you know, it's funny, though, that this one is also being done as kind of a multimedia project. They've already got an anime sort of in mind to go <laughs> along with this one. Um, so, the Kickstarter for this is... Um, it's got an $800,000 goal, and they're doing... I think they're doing um, a sort of a dual Kickstarter for the game and for the anime. You know, so... It's going to be kind of a, a, a split between the two. <laughs> I think 150000 is the budget for the anime. Hmm. Yeah. So. And how are they doing so far? Are they anywhere near it? Or uh, I've heard it's kind of slow. they out of water like the other ones? No, I've heard it's, it's, it's a little bit uh, slow on the uptake. Hmm. It's, um, I'm not really sure where they're at at the moment. We'd have to look that up. But I think, you know, it'll probably do okay. I mean, I don't know. Well, Mega Man Legends doesn't have anywhere near the popularity of any of the Mega Man games do. Mm-hmm. It does have a big, pretty big following, though. It seems but, to. Yeah. I mean, I'm, this is kind of outside of my, my sphere of, you didn't play of them? interest. No, no I, didn't, no, I haven't really played them. Yeah, I played through the first one. Did you like it? Eh. I, I didn't like it at the time because it wasn't Mega Man. So to me, it felt like... Uh, it felt like you could have called it, you know, Johnny Quest Legends or something like that. Uh-huh. It could have been anything. I don't know. Right. And it would have been the same game. Like, well, I didn't feel like anything really had much to do with it. I mean, game. even in the character designs, you saw him without his helmet on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the characters, of course, were, but mm. I don't know. It didn't, feel, it didn't feel like a Mega Man game. Right. right. doesn't mean it was a bad game. It was just uh, maybe doing a little too much for the time also. Well, maybe this was a t- this was also a time when you know everything was going 3D, and they had to figure out how yeah. to move this stuff into 3D. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Controls were a little weird. Mm-hmm. But I would like that would be a pretty good game to get remade. I think. Mm. Be interesting, but I don't know. Well, why not make Mega Man 3D? <laughs> because Capcom still owns that, oh. and they seem unwilling to move on that stuff. They tried doing that, I think, with X Nine. They had, like, 3D levels. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out. Mm. Not good. Hmm. Well, apparently, some Capcom, uh, former Capcom employee, uh, specifically Hideki Kamiya, he is uh, known for Resident Evil and for Devil May Cry, among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, he says that these games that are being currently produced, such as Mighty Number no. 9... Um, are a little too close to the Mega Man formula, for example. They're a little too close to the original games that they're supposedly inspired by. Mm -hmm. And he goes as far to say that it's an insult to Capcom Mm. to put out a game like this that's so similar to their own games. Yeah. Even if it is the man who did those games for Capcom in the first place. Okay. But he says this is an insult to their old home. And this this was a statement on Twitter. Someone even asked him and said, what do you find to be a problem? I mean, is it the gameplay? Is it the design? Yeah, what's up? He goes, similar. It's not similar. It's a complete copy mm. of the original game. So he has very bold words to, to, to say about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he says it's not right to copy um, these type of game, even though 
The company's not doing anything with it for themselves. I mean, they might not see any business opportunity to do it. He sounds like a party pooper. <laughs> it's funny, though, because he's... Among games that he worked on, I mean, he went on to do Bayonetta, which, you know, I mean, he was he was basically the director for that game. And isn't that game a copy of Devil May Cry? Wouldn't you think so? <laughs> I don't know. I never played it. <laughs> that's, how it that's how it appears to me that's at, a very, thought, at a very surface level. Yeah. It certainly looks that way to me. But... I'm not one to judge. He is, apparently. <laughs> is he responsible for Transformers Devastation? Uh, no. No, oh, okay. apparently he's working on Scalebound. That's one of the other yeah. Platinum... Yeah. He is at Platinum Games. Mm-hmm. He's working on their Xbox One exclusive game. Yeah. So, there you go. Apparently some dissension among the former Capcom mm-hmm. ranks. <laughs> Uh, Games bring out the worst in people sometimes. Yeah, well, it's a lot of varying opinions on these things. And among them come from the ESA. Uh, they're always intruding in our business. <laughs> what do they want now? Well, there's been arguments made recently that abandoned games should be made available to players. When when companies no longer support games, old games, what I say. that are no longer playable... Mm-hmm. That efforts should be made to try to preserve Public those games. domain they should be After five years Five years? Yeah Interesting I don't know if any laws support that notion <laughs> But you say five years I'm going to say five Right Well So the ESA is trying to fight this Obviously the ESA is advocating on behalf of the software industry And publishers and developers and so on And they're basically saying that There's no such thing as a, an obsolete game There's no such thing when you know when an old game can be re-released on digital distribution platforms like PlayStation Network or Steam or you know Nintendo eShop or any of those options, when those old games can come back at some future point, that means there's no such thing as an obsolete game. That maybe a publisher will decide at some future time when the time is right to release an old game for people to be able to purchase and play again so you know from their perspective they say there's no such thing as obsolete you know it's up to the copyright holder to determine when the right time to bring those games back is so yeah but a lot of times they can't release mm -hmm. some of those games just because there's too many like there might be licensed music or you know some kind of copyright that they can't clear or because too much cost too much money to clear it Mm -hmm. whatever the reason is so it's like even if they want to release it some of them they can't yep and that's where that law might come in handy, where it says, you know, well, if they can, you know, in a case like that, well, it's going to be, you know, open to the public regardless, mm-hmm. because, you know, all these, you know, red tape that's holding it back. Well, I mean, in that situation... I mean, the company would lose out on it, but at least the fans wouldn't. <laughs> and isn't that what it's all about? Uh, we'd like to think so. Uh, we just want to play our games. Why are we even arguing about that? Like, we have so many backlog of games to play. Uh, but some of those games are just out of reach and unplayable in their current form. I mean, some of them depended on servers being up mm. to be able to play them. And let's say those servers are now gone. And you'll never be able to replicate that play experience again. Uh, some people have made efforts to bring back that type of experience. To try to replicate commercial servers being run. Um, so they argue that they say they, they say that even that is not appropriate. They say that just because a publisher at this point in time doesn't 
offer the game anymore. That so do mean- you think a government or something should step in about this? So like in, in like books, I mean books, mm-hmm. pretty much unless it goes out of print, those are like timeless. You know, right? They could be a hundred years old; they're still relevant. You can yeah. still get them, right? Well, with books, I think there is there is a, a, a limit. There is like a copyright that runs out at a certain point, mm-hmm. and then it becomes like an available work. Does that happen like video games too, or uh, is I don't it just know. video games it's, haven't been around long enough? Really, I'm not really sure how it works because I guess it's possible to renew your trademark in some way, like like Disney, obviously, or you know, let's say DC Comics, they own Superman, right? Superman's over 80 years old. Mm. It's almost, I would say it's probably past some of these trademark limits, but uh, somehow they continue to renew it and continue to use it. So maybe if you continue to use your, your IP, you can, you can retain ownership of it. Um, Hmm. it's not considered obsolete anymore. Well, this is, this is the argument they're having at the moment. They're, they're, they're working with the copyright office of the government to determine like what's, What's the age limit? What's your So how do big movie studios like how does um, who releases like the company who makes Alien say mm-hmm. right? How do they how are they able to re-release that movie every like three years on DVD and remaster it like a million times? Yeah, well maybe that's why because like because they... that those movies have like a billion people working on it and stuff and mm-hmm. and you know they sell them for like five dollars like how much money could they possibly be making off it? But yet it's very easy for them to do. Maybe maybe that is a situation where they're not making money on it. But they are republishing it in order to retain ownership of it. Hmm. They're just making it available so that they can still claim to keep it in circulation somehow. I don't know. I guess they're going to continue to hash this out. This is another. This is just one of those issues that's going to be, you know, these old laws on the books have to figure out how to be applied to these new technologies. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> Let's get on this. That's what the EFF is trying to do. Trying to stay on top of this issue. Um, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to end up. I think there's there's arguments being made on both sides that just ma- ban, might just might ban make games. sense. They just ban them, ban everything. Oh, you think that's the shortcut? Yeah. Then you know, no one has to deal with anything. I don't know if that's no more a good games. idea. <laughs> it just leads to violence anyway. You sound like you're stirring up new trouble. <laughs> Well, so how about um, how about Mad Cats? Now they used to make these uh, horrible controllers, <laughs> horrible to, racing wheels. They used to make horrible controllers, and then somehow they started making good controllers. I yeah, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened either. Mad Cats used to be the joke company. Like mm-hmm. whenever you saw your friend with like a knockoff controller, and it was it was either high frequency, which was like even worse than Mad Cats, <laughs> or Penguin or some Pelican. That's what Pelican. Pelican. <laughs> Some kind of animal. Some kind of waterfowl. <laughs> and then Mad Cats was like the one step above the high frequencies and uh-huh. the pelicans. This is a whole animal all, theme. All There's a whole animal theme running through these. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Why is that? Well, so apparently Mad Cats is in trouble and they're really banking on Rock Band 4 coming back in yeah. a big way, right? Yeah. Um, apparently if they don't make their numbers they're going to be in some yeah i didn't know they were financial shape in that tough of a situation that's mm-hmm. kind of surprising to me especially because they're like they pretty much cornered the whole joystick market now yeah maybe that's leveled out a bit i don't know maybe this well, how many times can you buy the same 
and especially especially after you spend one hundred fifty dollars yeah. on the on the pro line. Um, and a lot of people are starting to learn. There's a lot of pop-up shops now selling the individual parts right. to do it yourself, mm-hmm. which will eat, you know it's pretty easy to do. So people are probably going that direction, right? Who want to build joysticks? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. And plus, I don't know if there's. Uh, I mean, like you had Smash Brothers and Killer Instinct for Xbox One, Guilty Gear. I mean, are there any like? must-have fighting games, Mortal Kombat X, that people need to go out and buy new joysticks for? I guess, you know, Street Fighter V is forthcoming, Mm. so I don't know how that's going to work out with old controllers. I think they're still working out how to make them compatible. Yeah. Uh, But even then, if your old controller works, then why would you buy a new one? Right. Well, it may not be compatible with the new consoles. Right, right. Well, that's a driver issue, though. They have to figure out if they, Mm -hmm. you know, if you plug in your controller, whether the console will support it or not. Yeah. Um, so that, so that's kind of the point as far as Rock Band goes, because Harmonix has said that your old controllers will work with the new game, right? Um, they said that they're hoping. I don't know if they officially... Oh, that's not confirmed? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know if that's happening. Because we know with Guitar Hero, they have a new controller, basically. Um... They, they basically yes. have a redesigned, that's a redesigned fretboard yes. and everything else. Totally different. Uh, but that's I don't Are know. They, if, I don't know if they're involved in doing that. Yeah, I don't think they're manufacturing the parts. Activision kind of makes their own instruments for mm-hmm. that, right? They make. Uh, I mean, they bought Red Octane, so that's yeah. that was the company that made them originally. Yeah, I think Rock Band Four is solely Mad Cat's mm-hmm. controllers, right? But they're not making the the keyboard, so it's just the guitar and the drums. Mm-hmm. And maybe right. I guess the microphone if yeah. you can make solo separate too. Yep. But the microphone definitely is a backwards compatible. Just a USB microphone, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean you could use really probably any microphone. Um the drums I think on Xbox are backwards compatible and on PlayStation not. I don't know for sure yet. Um they still haven't announced anything definite. Mm. But um I don't think these are going to sell that well. For number one, I don't think the game stock is going to sell that great. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably overestimating the demand for this game. And number two, I don't think people are going to be buying plastic instruments again in the same way they did before. Hmm. I think they're going to be in a tough situation. <clears throat> well, I don't. Soon. I don't really know what their target is. It says here that they've secured thirty million dollars in new funding and. Twenty million is going to be used to make Rock Band Four instruments, which mm. is pretty pretty big number. So they're asking a lot of money for that box set with the mm-hmm. Rock Band set. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about it, and I saw the price tag. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it. Right. Kind of been through that already. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm ready. I feel like I just came off that whole like. like I feel like I just played on my Xbox. I don't need that big graphics upgrade, you know, or anything. Right. I don't know. Okay, we'll see. I mean, you still, I still go into stores and see Guitar Hero controllers and, mm-hmm. like, new. Not, I'm not talking about, like, refurbished. Right. Like, you know, uh, used. Just leftover stock. Yeah, there's tons of yeah. games. Rock Band, Band Hero, all that stuff. You still see that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. DJ Hero. <laughs> we'll see what the market says. See if, see if people are ready to jump back in. What's yeah. your prediction? you say uh yeah i'm gonna seller or holiday uh, hit what do you think yeah it's a tough call i think uh i mean i'm i'm a little pessimistic on it personally Mm -hmm. 
I think it's too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and you say this, and you say this as someone who's like a real fan of those. Oh, I love those those games. games. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like which one of my favorite games of all time. This is this is your uh-huh. your dose of reality and in being injected into your your you know your desires. You, even though you want to see it succeed, you're I a do. little skeptical of I the public success. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay. But maybe they're accounting that. Maybe they're. But I don't know. You just said like like thirty million or something. They're investing. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be a tough battle. I think they need to. I. I. You know, rather than banking completely on Rock Band, I think they would probably do better continuing to make those those uh, arcade controllers. Maybe maybe not cater strictly to the fighting fans, but. You know, broaden broaden the base a bit for the for those How controllers. About a joystick for the seventy eight hundred. <laughs> it uses the the nine pin. I understand there whatever. are solutions out there for that, um, but it has one fire button on it. No, you could put two. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I think, I mean, even even for the most hardcore player, I think one hundred fifty dollars for a, a giant joystick is is, is a lot of money. So. I mean, I know there are, like, cheaper versions. I know there are $70, $80 versions of those sticks, but those mm-hmm. are considered generally worse. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe find a middle ground. Figure out how to make those those cheaper sticks a little higher quality so that maybe you could sell a few more of them. I don't know. It's hard to do that Yoda Flame with the cheaper joysticks. Yo- <laughs> Yoga Flame? <laughs> no, Yoda Flame, I said. Who's Yoda? How's Yoda? How's Yoda involved in this? It's the Star Wars fighting game. You never played that? <laughs> That was not good. I know it was terrible. Uh, he wasn't. Wasn't he in Soul Calibur? One of those games. Um, I don't remember. Raider was anyway. Know. Yeah. So, all right. Shifting gears. Okay. Uh, do you remember the Phantom console? Do you remember this? Uh, you know what? That mysterious PC. In a living room. I really thought the Phantom console was going to really change the industry. Yeah? Yeah, when I heard about that... What's that? You had predictions about this? Yeah, well, I don't know about predictions, but just reading about it, I was like, if this thing actually comes out, this is really going to be, like, a major... Mm-hmm. I was really excited about this thing. I was like, this could be, like, a really good system that's going to, like, just change everything. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we know how that ended up. <laughs> There's been several attempts to make this happen, but... You know, it's still it's still not a commercial product you could just buy and hook up. No. I, mean, I guess maybe if you consider the Alienware machine the solution, but even that's kind of incomplete at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a story of uh, someone who walked into um, a store with, uh, you know, a prototype of the Phantom console uh, made by... Uh, I guess a company called what do you Infinium. Mean a store like we just go into like GameStop. So like, yeah, I got heard you guys are buying retro games. <laughs> <laughs> just, just plop that thing up on the counter. Uh, let's see. This is uh, this is a, a store actually it was called Microtech Systems. It's a computer repair store in yeah. Florida. Huh. So I guess because this thing is actually a computer, or you know, like like a PC. Huh. Maybe someone brought it in thinking it was just a computer, but I don't know. It sounded like they kind of knew what they had. Um. This design is pretty, I don't know, it's not quite the one that um, was shown in public. This was almost more of like the concept design 
Um, it's kind of silver, kind of a large, thick shell, um, enough to sort of, you know, hold PC cards and stuff like that. Um, the console that was shown publicly at trade shows, actually I saw it at E3, I think it was in 2005. Um, it was looked different than this one. The one that I saw was sort of low profile. Uh, it was white with kind of some, maybe some black sort of grilling on the sides. Mm -hmm. It had like a, a USB port in the front, in the center, that actually had like a blue glow around the port when you plug the controller in. Yeah, um, I think there's some videos that you can still watch of that, of those demos. Yeah, it was publicly demoed at uh -huh. E3 that year. Um, now, who knows? Maybe that wasn't a functional console that True, they were showing. Right. Maybe there was a PC behind the TV somewhere, and that huh. was what you were actually playing. Yeah, they've done that. Um, but they've, you know, they showed a front end. They showed software. They showed games playable on that thing. They mm -hmm. even had their their uh, custom controller, the lapboard, yeah. is what they called yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. uh, which was sort of like a computer keyboard on that like, made so much sense to me back then <laughs> yeah sure it was like it was like an l shape right it was like you could lift the keyboard part up mm -hmm. and then when you For lifted mouse, it up yeah. you had like a mouse pad underneath it where you could use a mouse yeah and the keyboard was also rotatable you could actually rotate the angle of the keyboard so that you could you could use it with your left hand let's say and then continue to use um you know like the mouse with your right hand um this one looks different than that one i mean i don't know if this is authentic or not, there's still some question about whether this is the real thing because this doesn't match the design that was mm, seen. Yeah, it's hard, publicly. especially with these were just kind of like concepts, really. Yeah, I mean with these 3D printers too. It's very easy <laughs> to fake some of these things. I know you're you're cautious about uh, no. believing some of these. Well, it used to be in the basis. day like used to believe everything, and then once Photoshop became accessible to the public, right. then I started, you know, becoming a skeptic on all these photos, because it was so easy to use, Photoshop. Mm -hmm. And now, because 3D printers are becoming accessible to people, mm -hmm. it's hard to believe a lot of the physical stuff you see. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll keep getting more information about this. I think they're... Whoever owns it says that we're going to... I'm going to order it. <laughs> you ready? Is it, for, is it on Amazon? You think uh, my order in? Oh, really? You're 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 jump. You're, you're not even expecting a Kickstarter, right? You're just saying this, this should be. Right. I waited 15 years for this. <laughs> my body is ready. <laughs> the you, Phantom. It's ready for the Phantom. <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if this is. Um, if this is the real deal or not I guess it kind of looks like it would be though I don't know hard to say someone will have to figure it out because they did they, someone did replace some components in this thing to make it more more functional mm -hmm. apparently there was some um, I mean even on closer inspection like some of the ports in the back were not I mean it was all it looked hand assembled it didn't even look like it was you know manufactured in any way it was kind of like Put together almost like a as like a demo unit. So who knows? Maybe this is. Well, yeah, I mean that's how a lot of that stuff was, though. It's true. Especially if it was Possible. using just off-the-shelf PC parts. There's no reason to think it yeah. wouldn't wouldn't look like that. All right. Well, I guess we'll see if that's real or not. Okay. Exciting, exciting stuff. Old old stuff being found. I know. In attics or wherever they're finding it, and maybe uh, yeah, maybe it was. What's because... next? The Pluto, the Sega Pluto. Uh, which one was that? I don't know. <laughs> Pluto was that Saturn prototype, I think. Was it? Yeah. I'm confusing it with the Neptune. The Neptune was that 32X, 32X console. one? Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
Yeah. Speaking of Pluto, we're two days away from a rendezvous know, with Pluto. I know. That's why I was thinking about it. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's the, uh, you know, New Horizons Pro. Yeah. We're going to find, like, weird creatures there and stuff. <laughs> Like they're they're gonna have their knees are like behind their legs instead of the front. Is that what would make them alien? Yeah, they're gonna like have that weird arched back legs. I don't think, I don't think that's gonna happen. No, Mm-mm. I don't think so. We're gonna have some some quick photos. And that's gonna, about just it. Saying I'm gonna be disappointed. I'm prepping you now. I don't want you get get your hopes. This up. is it. This is the end of the universe right here. <laughs> All right, well, perhaps uh, the Atari Force will uh, investigate this someday. <laughs> um, are you familiar with Atari Force? I've never met them personally, but I've heard great things. <laughs> so Atari Force was uh, a series of comics that, that DC Comics did back in the 80s. Um, I think I had them. Yeah. Some of them. Wait, wait, th- those are different from the mini books that came in the game? Uh, I think some of them were labeled as Atari Force also, but okay. those were also done by DC. Okay. Um, this, these are different, though. This was like an off, you know, like mm. a, you know, a full comic that was sold in comics. Yeah, stores. I don't think... You know what? I, I kind of thought those guys were cheesy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those little comics that came in the game that they were kind of dumb. Well, you know, they just had an excuse, I guess, because... Well, you know, at the time, I mean, Atari was owned by Warner Communications, yeah. right? Yeah. And Warner also owns DC Comics. Uh-huh. So this is the tie-in. This is the reason why Corporate, you saw these... Corporations. This is why you saw everything. comics being bundled in your games, because huh. the same parent company owned both of them. Uh, <laughs> so these comics are coming back. Did they ever do a Roadrunner crossover? I, I don't know. With the one, like the Looney Tune characters and stuff? You tell me. Are you a fan of uh, the Roadrunner game? Uh, No. Yeah, I didn't like it much either. I did play it in the, the arcade mm. one a bit, but no. Well, so this, so these games, so these comics are coming back though from a company called Dynamite Entertainment. Okay. Uh, the original, uh, like they're just scanning the originals. These or are, they, are these are, they, are um, these are reprints of the original okay. comics. Um, Interesting. So these are these are going to be reprints of the comics that were bu- bundled in with the games, including Asteroids, ah, Centipede. All right. Uh, Missile Command, Yars Revenge, Man, Tempest. I still have mine. That's crazy. Crystal Castles. These all came with comics in the box. And then they're also reprinting the 20 issue uh, series that ran from 84 to 86. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But I think the most interesting part of this news is they're going to release uh, a hardcover book that's going to be um, sort of a retrospective on Atari's history. Oh, wow. Uh, they're going to have um, concept art and behind-the-scenes photos and interviews and game production mm. information and all kinds of things related to, you know, Atari games in its heyday. So I think that's going to be something I'm going to look forward to. Could be good. I'm going to put that on my wish list. I'm, gonna, I'm logging into it now. I'm logging into Amazon right now. Okay. Before Prime Day, before I can... I can't, <laughs> Before I can't quite log in yet, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that on my wish list now. So when did they say when that's scheduled to come out or um, for the Christmas thing? No release date yet. Okay. Uh, but release date is what's the rush? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to check on whatever maybe whatever Comic Con news there was this this week and see if they mentioned it at all. I don't okay. know. Seems like that would have been a good time to release this story, but... Comics. 
Yeah. Everyone loves comics, right? I do. That, that with the board meeting, that's how it started off? It's like, okay, what do you have for us today? Comics. We all love comics, right? Yeah. Um, and then he shows Atari. Mm-hmm. Our demographic shows. I would love to know how these board meetings go for some of these things. <laughs> uh, you probably would have shot down that idea right then if you were in that board. Yeah, you're like, I'd be like, are you talking about paper? <laughs> <laughs> you want us to print on paper? That's how we make video games here. Yeah, right? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I probably have my original issues still. I even have the big graphic novels they made. They made, like, oversized, magazine-sized um, comics, I think, on Star huh. Raiders. Oh, wow. It was, like, a Star Raiders comic that I had. And uh, Warlords, maybe. Oh, man. I don't yeah. know if I've seen that one. I remember the Yars Revenge one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I used to... I didn't like the superhero part. I just liked the, the Yars Revenge guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I liked watching him, the, the Kotile. <laughs> Right. What this guy right here? He's got the. He's got like a red yeah, jumpsuit with like an Atari s- symbol on it. It's like Flash Gordon with long hair. Uh huh. Yeah, he's the only one that's in a uniform. Everybody else is like an alien or something. They can't even wear that. Yeah, I wasn't into that art style. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see it again. But that's all I have for now. That's it, huh? I think that's it. So right. if there's nothing else to add. We'll probably wrap it up. Call it a night. Yep. Call so, it. That'll be that for our fortieth. Send us feedback. Write, rate us on iTunes. Mm. Five stars. <laughs> Email us some comments. Obbfeedback at gmail dot com. Find us on Facebook. Visit the Facebook page. Uh, leave Leon a nice note. <laughs> Just for me. Yeah. Uh, you appreciate nice notes too. And uh, no, I get hate mail. That's all I ever get. <laughs> And that's it, Um, I guess, until next week. Yep. Thanks for joining us. All right, see you then.